Pickaxe. Hello and welcome back to the Review of Death, your fortnightly home for Doctor Who news and reviews. I am Matthew Toffolo. Joining me as ever is Billy Garrett John. Say hello. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about Planet of the Ood. Which is Ood. Ood. Yeah, that is good. Uh, <laughs> How did you how did you feel prior to going into this one, Matt? Because it's an episode I think it sounds terrible to say. I think it's one I've just watched on transmission and haven't looked at at all since. Interesting. Uh I've always liked this one. I've always thought this yeah. one was pretty good. Yeah. Um but I, I know what you mean. It does feel like one of those stories that people don't really talk about very much or it just sort of gets lost in the melee of all of series mm. four. Yeah, because um, that is a big series and yeah. there's a lot going on in there. And that seems to bear out in the responses we got from our rodders on Twitter saying, you know, it's buried or undervalued or underappreciated. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it was lovely to go back and watch it and uh, yeah. obviously hear what we have to say momentarily. But first, yeah. we should do the news or the as news. newsworthy as we can be. Uh, over a week out from this episode going out because Matt's yeah. off to Scotland uh, yeah. and he's then off. So by now, are you sunning yourself in Italy in 40 degree temperatures? Uh, yes, I hope so. I should be Lucky stuffing boy. myself full of gelato um, and well, thank pasta. God you said gelato. Maybe not in that exact, uh, <laughs> maybe not in that exact order. <laughs> but uh, yes, that is that is the plan. Next time you see me, I should hopefully be very tanned. I hope so. I hope to see. And uh, is the mustache gonna appear in the next week so that you can slot in culturally a bit better? Yeah, maybe. Well, when when we used to go to Italy with Dad, he would always get caught at Italian customs because they would always and because obviously he's, his name his name was very Italian mm. and he looked very Italian and he had a big mustache. You know. They just used to catch him at customs and be like, "Are you, are you, a, are you a citizen that is like coming back into the country, sneaking, sneaking yeah. stuff in?" So um, and if they I found do that, a, maybe they find his briefcase full of mushrooms, and he went wahoo, and then jumped. Yeah, <laughs> wahoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this is as newsworthy as we can possibly be for the next two weeks. But if yeah. anything does go down, then you know I'm sure you'll see our reactions on Twitter. Uh, and also we're recording some stuff for the Patreon next week. So uh, we may be able to chat about stuff then. Uh, yeah. But obviously the big thing uh, that happened just after we recorded uh, the Genesis episode was the reveal of the new Sonic Screwdriver, which got its own Tesla-level commercial um, on the official Doctor Who social medias. Um, now, yeah. Matt, you how long were you in possession of that thing before it got announced um i had this since may yeah maybe it was before i moved house so probably may yeah i think it turned up just before i moved uh um, crikey yeah so i've been sitting on this for a while not physically quite literally <laughs> <laughs> ouch um yeah and, and you only when that, bloody... when, once that opens up inside you you try get out again i don't <laughs> no, that's that's that 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 might that might you know tickle everybody's fancy um yeah i uh was shocked and appalled that i only found out about it the week before uh it dropped but that's fine um yeah. obviously i can't be trusted to keep a secret now <laughs> it is uh quite pretty it's good. Um, and the reaction to it has been really positive. I mean, we saw yeah. 
uh, kind, I can't remember how good the photo was or how good the schematic or whatever it was ages ago of what the yeah. prop looked like. Yeah. But um, obviously it's very different to getting it in the hand. Yeah. So where where is this ranking for new series Sonics for you? Uh, oh, it's, it's definitely up there. Definitely up there for sure. Um, I mean, it's better than the Capaldi one, which for yeah, audio listeners, I am now holding up. I mean, just look at that. This yeah. just this just looks like a mess of a design. It does. It, it's just too much going on, and I don't like the blue. Whereas this, mm. it's starting to feel more like a scientific instrument again. I mean, I didn't like the old Sheffield the old steel. Dil- dildo one. Yeah, um, <laughs> because you know. Well, how did they not see that? How did they not see it? Come on. Um, and, but I, I do still like the original Tenant one because it's slim line yeah. and it's just, it feels like a piece of kit. I mean, even this, this is a bit bit showy and it does look like you could whisk up mm. an omelette with it. Um, yeah. Or as I said earlier, you know, use it as a speculum or something. <laughs> Um, I have to be completely honest. And it's got a light on the say, end, so if you're doing any examinations, it's very helpful. It's it's perfect for looking at people's bums with. Uh, that is, and that's ultimately what a Sonic should should you know reflect. Um, yeah. I have to be completely honest and say that it doesn't tickle my fancy. I'm not a massive fan of Ooh. it. Wow, interesting. I think it's a it's leaning a bit too much into. Let's smash a load of Sonics together. It has that feeling of a build a Sonic screwdriver to me. Yeah. Um, I think that the fronds that come out, as we yeah. mentioned, when we first saw, because we obviously didn't get context to what those fronds were or what it looked like yeah. in action. But when, whenever we saw that photo, whenever it was, um, we said it looked like a classic Dalek gun mm. with the, yeah. you know, the bits that used to thrill out of the front of it. And I still, yeah. I can only see that when I look at it. And I just think it looks yeah. a bit, a bit much. But, um, you know, it, 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 everybody seems to be a fan of it. And it has kicked off a lot of speculation because of a description. Is it on the box or was it just at Comic-Con that described uh, that it's kind of an amalgamation of different Sonics and how that might play into the 60th? Uh, it wasn't on the box. So that okay. must have been a Comic-Con thing. Yeah, um, but you obviously mentioned it when you went through it because it's you know yeah. it, it's difficult to ignore the fact that it has elements of lots of Sonic screwdrivers in it. Oh yeah, modern definitely. Sonics. Yeah. So, do you think that this leads any more clarity to the possibility we may be getting Matt Smith and or another Doctor coming back? Oh, I don't know. Um, maybe I. You know, yeah, maybe. I mean, it might just be a cool nod to the past. I don't know, but it would be. I mean, it'd be nice to see some some of the old faces. Yeah, not just David. I'm hoping, really, in a way, that David Tennant is almost a bit of a smokescreen for more that's going on. Um, and we should add, really, amongst that, that um, Yasmin Finney did an interview for something the other day, and she mentioned yes. that she had scenes with Shooty Gatwa. Um, she does. So, I, um, obviously, we've seen pictures and footage of Shooty in David's costume, um, in as much as the shirt and the, the tie. So maybe he sort of regenerates into Shooty, and you know, maybe he flicks back and forth. Maybe who knows yeah. what's going on there? 
Um, yeah, because maybe this is some, maybe the 14th Doctor is some sort of like weird interim regeneration that shouldn't be, maybe, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I definitely get the impression that the idea, like the, the through line is going to be maybe why this face again, you know, mm. like, because um, yeah. I think that, that there's mentions of that in the teasers, I think. Why um, this face? I make so, money. That's yeah, why this face? Because <laughs> I make money. Um, also, I thought it was quite interesting. Uh, obviously, they had the big booth at San Diego um, yep. with the Disney uh, screen sort of saying specials coming this year, series yeah. 14 coming in 2024. The and universe the- just got bigger. That's the, the tag. Very interesting. Uh, obviously, yeah. I mean, we know we're getting spinoffs. It's a given yeah. at this point. Um, so it will be interesting to see when that rollout starts happening. I would imagine the earliest we'd hear about that is possibly somewhere between the 60th and series 14. Um, yeah. Maybe in that sort of gap. I mean, there's probably only um, a month or two at most between the end of uh, the specials and the kind of real promotion, I think, series 14, um, yeah. given that Shooty is becoming the Doctor in festive period 2024. Yeah. Um, but, oh no, was it festive period 2023? Fuck, let's find out. Festive 2023, yeah. <laughs> um, So that's interesting. Did you see the badges they were giving away as well? No. They had Disney Plus badges and... Uh, oh, the, no, I did see these. The, you know, the, the kind of Tinkerbell swoosh. Yeah, the TARDIS was in the middle of it. So, yeah. I mean, they're obviously ramping up on the Disney side of things. Yeah. Um, I think we've mentioned before that it's been explained to us um, that it feels like Disney is like the beast that's suddenly waking up to, uh, you know, that, that the, the machine is starting to churn on the Disney side of things and starting to get yeah. ready, um, which is going to be fascinating. Um, I do wonder, though, you know, how long do we think this partnership is going to last? Because the, the hope is obviously that it goes on and on and on. But mm. I think with everybody sort of saying, well, maybe Shooty's only doing two years or, you know, how long does this deal last for? Obviously, Doctor Who is going to last beyond any exclusivity internationally oh, yeah. with Disney. Um, and as far as we know, it's just, we'll give you a bit of cash for the ability to show it everywhere uh, outside yeah. of the UK. But do you see any longevity in this now? Because we're at the stage where Disney is starting to promote it a bit more. Um and we've seen the way that they treat other shows. We've seen a lot of yes. media disappearing. Um, obviously, I think it's in the BBC's interest to continue producing physical media. I think it will. it's almost a given that we're going to get physical media. Oh, yeah. But then you yeah. look at what they did with that WandaVision uh, steelbook, where they just give you what is the that? steelbook and no oh. disc on the inside. Unbelievable. I don't think that's indicative of what's going to happen to Doctor Who. I've seen people getting worried about that on Twitter. Um, but now we're a bit deeper into this Disney partnership. How, how do you think this is going to pan out? I just, I just want to say about the WandaVision thing. I, I, you know, I was in disbelief when I saw that because it just seems insane, like you're selling an empty box. But I then thought back to our conversation last time where we were talking about um, missing episodes and we said, we'd just buy an empty box if it meant we might be able to st- stuff it with discs later on. <laughs> so maybe they're not that daft Hilarious. after all. Um, yeah, I think really mm. it, the, the proof will be in the pudding next year. 
once the specials go out, once the the first series of Shooty goes out and those first um, spin-offs go out as well, I guess until we see the reaction and obviously ultimately they see the reaction, mm. it's hard to say. Um, but like you said, I mean, I hope that there is some longevity in this. This isn't just going to be a one and done thing. Um but I mean, we just have to hope it's a success, really, because if it isn't, then well, I guess Disney, well, well within their rights to say, nah, well, this was I'm, this was I'm fun. Really, but yeah, no I, I think now living abroad, I, I I have a a real keen interest in seeing how stuff that is very familiar to me is promoted outside mm. of the UK, like seeing trailers for Coronation Street on TVNZ or whatever yeah. it is. That um, must be weird. That must be oh, so man, bizarre it's hearing... It is really odd. And they call it Coro here. Coro? Yeah, I know. Get out. Disgusting. Yeah. Um, that was a, an early warning sign. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I'm really interested to see how it is promoted internationally because obviously we'll get that end of it. And yeah. the, as you say, the proof will be in the pudding for people like myself, for fans in the United States... Um, for fans as far afield as sort of like, you know, China and mm. Brazil and all over the world yeah. um, to see how they receive Doctor Who and what Disney do on their end of the bargain. Because at that point, yeah. it will be out of the BBC's hands. It won't be their responsibility to promote it. Mm. And I'm I'm really interested to see if we get like billboards over here because you do get billboards for streaming shows and Disney series. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Obviously. Uh, but you wouldn't necessarily get that in the uk no. yeah so th- th- what disney are bringing to this is obviously the platform of disney plus uh, and all that infrastructure but also their marketing machine and we know that they have been amongst not just doctor who fans at like san diego um yeah. but also they've been with the ubers they've been with the anoraks at um gallifrey one so they yeah. know, you know, fandoms and that sort of thing is their bread and butter. Mm. They know how to, you know, promote to people with some amount of expendable income, enough at least to pay for Disney Plus. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see, uh, like you say, how they hold up their end of the bargain. Um, as I mean, we... it, it was really positive to see the setup that they had at San Diego because, you know, we, yeah. they had a real proper booth you know, it wasn't just like a little table with some little posters. You know, they had a real. It's funny thing. comparing it to like what happened at San Diego last year when they just revealed the logo and it was just yeah. like a black banner. Like, you know, what is this going to look like a year from now once Shooty's first series has come out? You know. Yeah. Um. You know, and I've I you know I'm a, a nerd outside of Doctor Who, so I've followed San Diego Comic Con for years, and it's interesting sort of seeing how all these other brands have always done booths and panels and things and sort of seeing how Doctor Who has sort of slowly grown. And like now it feels like it's sort of there amongst the big boys because, you know, they had such a cool setup. They had all the merch there. You know, they launched a new product there. They had the costumes there, which was great. They had the sonic screwdriver prop there. So I'd be really interested to have been a fly on the wall at Comic-Con just to see who was actually going up to the to the stand was it just 
you know, the Doctor Who nerds who are like, oh, I must get my sonic screwdriver. Or was it people just walking by who was like, oh, I've heard of this show. This looks cool. Oh, I know that guy from... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it whatever, probably helps having David Tennant on the poster as well, because yeah. you know that is still you know this modern era's version of Tom Baker, and it, yeah, um, that is very helpful to relaunch yep. the program. I mean, it's such a canny, like I, I you know, I don't want to, I don't want to sound sort of, um, I don't know what, what the right word is, a conspiratorial or whatever, but to get David back mm. is probably one of the wisest marketing decisions that Doctor Who oh, has yeah. ever made. Yeah. Um, and obviously that that's not the only reason for it. And uh, I'm not saying that it is, but he is the face to get people back in through the door. We all know yeah. that. I mean, I don't think that's oh, yeah. particularly controversial <clears throat> yeah. to say, but um, yeah. that seeing the reaction at San Diego, uh, that is why you have him back to have him on the big posters. And that yeah. is just, you know, a small portion of, of, of the reaction to having him back in a public facing setting. Um, yeah. yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating. <clears throat> and I think one of the things that, you know, I don't, I don't want to say it's a missed opportunity, um, but what I would love to see, and obviously not this year, but maybe next year, um, because obviously being, being the, the, the toy man that I am, you know, I'm, I'm here for all the toys. <laughs> um, and all I did last weekend over Comic-Con weekend was I was looking at all the different websites and mm. seeing what was being revealed from all these different toy companies. And, you know, on preview night, they had, you know, all these glass cabinets with all these new upcoming figures. And, it, you know, they'd have little things saying, oh, stay tuned to the panel where we're going to yeah. announce another new thing. And I was like, oh, wouldn't it have been nice for Doctor Who to, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, I have, I have, I hold my hand on my heart, I have absolutely no idea what character options have got planned for anything for the 60th and Series 14. I haven't got a clue. But wouldn't it have been nice to have had, like, the first Shooty Gatwa figure, you know, unveiled at Comic-Con? Or, you know, a mm. few figures from that, you know, maybe a new Tenant, maybe a new Donna, a Beat the Meep, Shooty Gatwa. Oh, it would have been great. It would have just been, especially for the toy fans on Twitter who are just, you know, are very thirsty yeah. for this sort of stuff. And, um, I mean, obviously there's, there's a lot of stuff leaking in terms of B and M related stuff, um, lately. Um, mm. but it would have been good just to have got something current and, you know, it's not spoilery because we know what shooty gap was costumes are like, we know beep the meep's going to be in the new series. Uh, but I think it was a missed opportunity that we just didn't have a bit more, because um, the posters are nice and the Sonic's nice, but it would have been cool to have had. Maybe that's what I want to see next time. Next year, I want to see Series 14 action figures on display in a cabinet so that people can go around and I can wake up in the morning and have all these pings in my Twitter saying, oh, look, look, they've shown off this new toy. I and send it. me along well, kind to of do uh, proper <laughs> reporting. <laughs> Well, I mean, we can start with getting Matt involved in the DWM specials about action figures. I think that's a fucking travesty. Yeah. Um, well, that, that happened, it, well, but... well, funny you should say that. <laughs> uh, um, I am, <laughs> I am, um, I'm very interested to see. Yeah, like you say, a year from now, like especially yeah. with the action figures, you'd imagine because I remember with you know series five. 
going into Toys R Us the day, was it the day of? Or the, or the it was day the day after? of, yeah. The day of, and you get the Raggedy Doctor and the 11th Doctor Sonic. Yeah. Um, just straight off, you know, yeah. and Russell is a, is, a, is a hype machine. He's a marketing machine, besides being, you know, obviously a, an incredible writer and showrunner. Um, you know, do you reckon really by this time next year for Comic-Con, we should be seeing like wave two of series 14 figures being previewed? I mean, if if character can go back to doing waves of figures, I would love to see something like that because I imagine the first wave is obviously just going to be 60th stuff and possibly shooty. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to. That would be, that'd be great. Um, I don't see why not because it was mentioned in DWM, this most recent one, that you know the BBC have been having licensee days where yeah. different licensees and character options got mentioned. You know, they go in, they see what's coming up, and I guess they have their conversations about, well, okay, so this is what this thing looks like. You know, we were thinking maybe this could be marketed as a toy or, you know, as a bit of clothing or whatever. Um, so I think we are in a better position now compared to, like, the Chibnall era where I am at where character options are actually getting stuff to look at um, yeah. and stuff to work from. Um, so yeah, why not? I, I, I would love to see that. I would, it would, you know, it would make me very, very happy to see Doctor Who really sort of standing shoulder to shoulder with the other brands and especially character options standing shoulder to shoulder with Hasbro and Mattel and, you know, these stalwarts of, mm. um, of Comic-Con. Um, yeah, it'd be great. Whether it'll happen, I don't know. Yeah. If you're listening, I, I have, I'll, a, I have I'll, a good I'll, feeling. I'll take, I'll take your dollars across to America and put them <laughs> in the cabinet. <laughs> I, have a, I have a good feeling about it. I think that... Uh, but that, you know, again, sort of linking back to the Disney thing, um, you know, that isn't where Disney's influence is going to be felt. But you'd imagine that if the show did well in that first year... You know, not that we would want things to disappear from character options or whatever, but you'd imagine yeah. that Disney will want their own slice of, of that. You yeah. Know, like, like I was saying earlier about, you know, being abroad and, and seeing the way that the show is represented elsewhere, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see if we get any Disney-exclusive merch for Doctor Who. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that would be part of a rights deal. You'd imagine that it would stay with the BBC, but anything that could be, you know, considered a yeah. US exclusive or whatever, because that's happened before. Oh yeah, I mean, historically, all of Disney's stuff, I think, goes through Hasbro. So certainly Star right. Wars, certainly Marvel, and certainly um, stuff like Indiana Jones and that kind of stuff. Um, so. I don't know what w that would mean for like the action figure rights. I mean, that might still stay with character options, but I mean, I don't think it would be, I think we could see stuff like, I don't know, Doctor Who Uno or Doctor Who right. Monopoly or, you know, they did Doctor Who Mr. Potato Heads. So you might see, yeah. you know, sort of stuff like that again, maybe. Um, it was funny actually, because I, I can't remember who it was who posted it on Twitter but posting some of the other stands and stores around um, SDC, see, and it was um, just littered with 
Doctor Who products from like the Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi era. I saw, but like figures, I saw. But it was just like all the tat, like all these crappy plushies oh or just like weird things that, you know, still litter the movie shop in the galleries in Broadmead Bristol. in Bristol. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, you know, uh, HMV goes into administration. And so their yeah. way of having to try and get more money in through the door is we've got a warehouse full of fucking Doctor Who pizza cutters. Can we please yeah. try and shift some of these and putting them in those like uh you know geek blind boxes oh yeah yeah this is worth 50 quid no it ain't (laughs) (laughs) i have never seen so many clara bobbleheads in my life as the last time i went into (laughs) hmv in bristol um okay so uh i think that kind of covers all the major stuff that went down um after the genesis episode went out um something also that happened after the genesis episode went out all that time that I spent researching how many copies of Genesis had been made was fucking immediately undone. You sent me the link uh, and <laughs> yeah, Tom Baker it. record collection. I was so gutted. Although it looks absolutely gorgeous, uh, yeah. the artwork. Uh, now, is that the artwork that Pridonian had their Daleks nicked from? Yes, the, the Daleks were nicked. And I how think it's been... Did, why? Because I imagine someone that the who was doing the art for it was just like uh, Daleks, Genesis of the Daleks. Oh, that's a nice. But that's clean mental. Image. That's like like what? Uh, surely they use their own their own archive. Oh well, you know this is this is <laughs> this is the BBC you were talking about. <laughs> mental, unbelievable. Uh, so yeah, another copy of Genesis of the Daleks. You can add to that list from the last one on vinyl as part of the Tom Baker record collection, which does look fantastic. Yeah. And I imagine with the way that's worded, uh, we'll probably see other doctors get represented mm. uh, yeah, on maybe. vinyl, which would be really nice. Yeah. So, um, what, what, what else was in it? It wasn't just Genesis, was it? Genesis, State of Decay. Well, I guess it, just, it, it basically depends on which adventures Tom had narrated at some oh, point. Good. Yes, of um, course. Because there are, I mean, they're few and far between. Yeah. Uh, the Tom Baker record collection. Let me bring this up. So yeah, we've obviously got Genesis. I love the design with all the the dots and and stuff on it. Um, oh yeah, it's really cool. It looks it's really cool. Fabulous. Uh, so yeah, uh, Doctor Who and the Pescatons. If you want to see what oh, we yeah. thought of that uh, pile of shizer, uh, then <laughs> you can go on to the review of Death Patreon. Um, Exploration Earth and the Time Machine plus yep. a selection of BBC radio interviews with Tom Baker made in the 70s and 80s, probably in various states of drunkenness. Um, ah. So I'm sure that would be great. Um, yeah. Think of Jesus. Think right. of Jesus. <laughs> Sasha Dewan uh, yes. has said in press interviews for Wolf, Scab, uh, working during a strike, um, that <laughs> he is involved in things he can't talk about. Now, <laughs> I went... I, I mentioned this before. I mean, yeah, and also maybe the Doctor Who stuff. Um, uh, I mentioned before when I went to uh, what the fuck was it called? Armageddon Expo, the the comic con yeah. equivalent in New Zealand. Um, oh yeah, he was there, wasn't he? He was there with uh, with Michelle Gomez, and they were sort of doing this kind of, or oh, maybe we're doing something, maybe we're not. Maybe we're doing a show called The Two Masters where we live together in a flat chair or whatever it was. And it was sort of like they were leading on uh, the fans to think that something was happening probably just to get clicks on Twitter or maybe, you know, people are being told, hey, look, just say whatever you fancy because it adds to the speculation. Uh, But it seems a bit 
a bit reckless, particularly from Michelle Gomez, because Sasha Dewan was sort of sat there not feeding into it. But almost right. in a way like I'm playing up to, I can't say anything. But Michelle okay. was definitely sort of like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, something's happening. But I okay. was sat there going, fucking, no, it isn't. Like, you, know, you can just, you, you know, you can just <laughs> and, tell. And that thing is big finish. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, yeah. I'm thinking maybe Sasha Dewan is, is kind of, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, I'm doing something, but then it's going to turn out he is the one trapped in that diamond in the bloody Once and Future box set. And then oh maybe God, that dovetails into the master set, which yeah. it's been a year and a half since we heard about the Dewan master and the uh, Fugitive Doctor sets, and yeah. nothing has happened. Big Finish have released 60-plus audio dramas in the first half of this year. Um, wow. if that isn't saturating your own market, I don't know what is. Um, there, there was there was something that went around the other day on Twitter, which was like a, a, a big finish announcement, and it was something like, "Oh, fourteen new classic Doctor box sets coming out in 2024," and everyone was like, "Well, no shit, you know that, that, <laughs> that's what you do." You know, yeah. that's not really a surprise. It would have been, it would have been a bigger surprise if they had said, "We're never making any Doctor Who uh, with any of the old Doctors ever <laughs> again." Uh, uh, I mean, that ship sailed. We we, I, I, we we don't want to be big finish bashers, but do you know what? <laughs> Fucking hell, I can't, I can't stick it. I think um, I, you've seen the trailer for uh, Two's Company. I haven't seen it mm. yet. Yeah. Um. And you had some feelings on that. Um, I mean, it just felt as bonkers as it felt when it was announced. You know, mm. it's just like you've got three companion-esque characters in that story that don't feel like they have any rhyme or reason being together. Mm. And when I listened to the trailer, I sort of thought, I still don't really understand why they're all together. Um no. And I don't know whether or not I'm going to have that answered when I listen to the actual story. Well, we've story. been covering Once a Future on the Patreon, and yeah. I'm already seeing people in Discord who have listened to A Genius for War, which I was really mm. looking forward to, and I still am looking forward to listening yeah, to it. Yeah, me I'm too. I'm find time to do it today, and then you yep. guys will see it on the Patreon in the next couple of weeks. But uh, people were basically saying it's doing the same thing that the other two have done so far, which is basically just spinning the wheels on you know, revealing anything to do with the actual main plot because yeah. we've still, are we, I think we're only just now maybe halfway through or under halfway through the run. Um, oh, because really? there's like 10, maybe nearly 10 uh, adventures in this series, including- When does COVID. this end? <laughs> uh, I, 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 we can only hope soon. Um, <laughs> but I, I wouldn't put too much stock in what Sasha Dewan is saying because no. from what I said earlier, my experience of, what Michelle and Sasha were doing at that expo um, yeah. wasn't underhanded or cheeky or anything, but it was a little bit like, come on, you, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. So uh, let's see. Let's see what comes of that. Um, and lastly, uh, <laughs> Ruth Madley, Ruth Madeley, apologies, yeah. um, <clears throat> uh, on the one show with a gun to the back of her head, uh, being told <laughs> that she can't say anything. Uh, but we do know that her character is Shirley Ann Bingham, and yeah. uh, she's across a couple of episodes. We have already heard from Russell that she's quite important in the grand yeah. scheme of things, uh, and seems to be a recurring character for the show, which is really interesting. 
So, uh, yeah, let's see how that develops over time, I guess. Yeah, I think that's probably why we're not going to hear anything about spin-offs because I've got a funny feeling she's going to be unit-related. So I think yeah. until she makes her debut and whatever the 60th does to set up future Doctor Who, I think once that's out of the way, um, yeah. maybe the Christmas special, things will start getting announced then. Um, but yeah, exciting. Uh, she was great in um, years and years. Yeah, amazing. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to, to seeing what she does in Doctor Who. Uh, something that I said to you before we started recording was I've got a funny story yes. to tell you. Um, tell me. So for people who are watching on YouTube, um, I've got a mug here with the sonic screwdrivers in, which I had here last time as well because I'm recording from home. Um, but the table is actually much further down. So I've had to stack the mug on something else. Now, we posted a picture, or you posted a picture on Twitter last week of me in yes. this home setup. And the, the thing that I had stuck it on and not realised when the picture was taken was the shipper box for the new Sonic screwdriver. <laughs> so the, well, no one noticed. So no, one, no one noticed. And I looked and I was zooming in. And I was like, shit, you can see the character options logo. It could be anything. It could be people might work out. That is um, hilarious. It's kind of Sonic screwdriver length, you know, so... Yeah, yeah. So uh, you did say to me, you were like, oh, is there any way we can sneak it into the video? And I was like, no, yeah. we can't, we can't. And I surreptitiously did it myself. So there we go. Uh, also, patrons may remember when we did, I think we did, a because we're going to do a Q&A at the end of this uh, quick review of, of uh, Planet of Viewed. Um, yeah. People may remember on the Patreon... I mentioned to Matt if he's got anything interesting on his desk. And yeah. there's a bit I, when I was watching it back where your eyes shoot down. Yeah. And I, because I, you'd shown me it earlier in that call. And I was like, that's exactly where he put it down. Yeah. And I, like, I cannot wait to tell people that he'd been staring at his Sonic. Oh, well, I mean, you're staring at his Sonic. Maybe, maybe we'll yeah. reword that slightly. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> right. Let's jump into the frivolities, the meat of the, of the matter. Uh, with yeah. a review of Planet of the Ood, released 19th of April, 2008, uh, oh. written by Keith Temple and directed yeah. by Graham Harper, uh, yeah. with 7.5 million viewers uh, accumulated. Um, yep. Matt, any idea what was UK number one? <sighs> I've got no idea. I always ask you, and I know that you won't know the answer, but... <laughs> You know, on the off chance that you will at some point go... One day I'm going to surprise Rihanna. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's going to be something totally out of left field. Um, it was American Boy by Estelle featuring Kanye Redacted. We don't talk about oh, him yeah. anymore. Yeah. Uh, give us a blast was he of that, in that? Matt, You must know it. <laughs> I know the song. Was, was he involved in that? I mean, he, uh, he's probably got a, a feature where he just, you know, says very anti-Semitic things, I would imagine. <laughs> um, uh Go on, give us a burst of American Boy, Matt. You can do it. I don't know the words. We need Matt sings the tunes. We need that to happen. You'll be my American Boy. That he's got a great set of pipes on him. Box office number one when this film, when this show went out. I don't remember this film at all, but I sneak it in here because somebody might say it's their favourite film ever made. A heist movie called 21, starring Jim Sturgis, Lawrence Fishburne, and Nino Kevin Spacey. 
Um, <laughs> two very, <laughs> very suspicious individuals we've mentioned there in the throwback. It's odd to think, you know, we don't even need to go back to the dressing rooms of the BBC in the 1970s to be having yeah. issues with people being brought up in <laughs> retrospective callbacks. Like, this is only bloody 15 years ago and we're already like, no, <laughs> let's not, let's not mention don't them. Don't mention them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. So obviously the crux of this story surrounds the tentacle-faced Ood, uh, whom yeah. we're both fans of, I assume. Yeah, they're great. I love the Ood. Love an Ood. Doesn't he say love that? Ood. He, he always says that uh, with his big gurney face and sideboards. Um, so... I, I- I'm, I'm jumping ahead a bit here, but obviously the whole thing about this story is that the Ood are an enslaved race, and it kind of yes. makes up for the fact that the Doctor didn't really comment much about that in the other story. And then I was thinking, when we then f- zoom forward to the Flux story, Judy Whittaker's not really that bothered about, oh, you've got an enslaved um, creature here. I... I have to immediately say this is my problem with this story. Immediately right. take umbrage with this whole Ood indentured servitude thing. The Doctor doesn't really mention it. You know, like, obviously this whole story is, is around, the, you know, the point of, you know, they're, they're a slave race and, and they shouldn't be, right? Yeah. So it's set up quite early on that they're born to serve. And that is what you think of, of, of an Ood. You know, that is the way yep. it's set up in all their stories is that they are born to serve. They are born to be, um, you know, born into slavery. But hmm. this story then later on sets up that they are adapted into servitude and there are actually like wild or native kind of Ood with their hands, their brains in their hands. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit are, of an Oompa Loompa they- vibe, isn't it really? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Except less racist. Um, <laughs> oddly. Um, yeah, like, so are they born into indentured servitude or are they not? Because this episode seems to kind of put both of those situations forward, you know? Like, well, I, it's I just guess it's... accepted that they're slaves, but they're actually not born into it. Yeah, I mean, that's just the, that's the story, isn't it? I guess that the, the company spin... So that yeah. people feel all right about slavery. Um, but the doctor also seems to feel all right about it. Like, his whole thing is, well, this is just what the Ood are. This is just what the Ood do. You know? Yeah, like, I think, well, they, he is until, until he then realises, oh, shit, actually, I'm wrong. Um, okay. And I kind, right. of, I kind of like that it takes, it almost takes Donna's reaction. It takes a very human reaction to things to mm. sort of open his eyes to a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I think Donna Donna is the she's kind of the most important person in this story really because yeah. uh interestingly this was supposed to be the second episode of series 4 and it got right. moved ahead. I I'm guessing that's for thematic reasons, but the you know Donna saying in, you know in the episode I want to go home is quite yeah. a moment and you think mm. well if you contextualize it and you think she's already experienced Pompeii yeah. Um it seems odd that this is the one that kind of tips her into saying she wants to go home. Uh yeah. but it would it would make sense if it's the, if it was you know meant to be the second episode going out. Um yep. but you're right. Yeah, it's her her reaction. It's this is almost like her having her seal broken into kind of thinking, well actually it's not all fine and dandy traveling with the doctor. Yeah. 
um, you know, there are issues uh, that they're going to come into contact with and, you know, mm. difficult decisions they're going to have to make. And I think this is the, the episode out of all of them that softens her the most. Obviously, she's still got that kind of, you know, I'm a temp from Chiswick sort of thing going on. And oh, yeah. you call in, you know, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Um, but that's just her fiery kind of side of her character. This is the one yeah. that I think sort of makes her the, the citizen of the universe that travels with, with the Doctor, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's quite clever, really, because having these two, having this and Pompeii as the second and third episodes, because obviously Partners in Crime, in a way, feels very much like, okay, we're going to do a sort of a Runaway Bride episode again, where we're reintroducing this character. She was... Um, for all intents and purposes, a comical part. Yeah. Um, and in that story, other than the little moment between her and Wilf um, up on the hill, you don't really see an awful lot beyond what we sort of see in Runaway Bride. Mm. But this and Pompeii, you know, really shows the audience what Catherine Tate can do as an actress. And Absolutely. it really broadens her performance and, you know, her range. Um, and I can actually remember very clearly um, as a as a young boy at secondary school. Um, I remember I remember my um, my uh, oh god, what's the lesson called? Ph oh Phsce was that it? Was that the oh we used to call like it citizenship uh, or something? Yeah, we used to call it VIP values in practice. Oh right, okay, yeah. Well, my my teacher for that, Mister Haddon. Um, Derek Haddon he came up to me and he liked Doctor Who and we would always have a little chat about Doctor Who and he said she's really good that Catherine Tate she's really good you know if people ever say she can't act I say watch those Doctor Who's she's such a good actress she's such a good actress um, yeah and I think that was it it really did change public perception of her because I guess really beyond the Catherine Tate show that was all we sort of yeah. knew her for um, so I think it's very well, totally. wise that they yeah it was wise that they thought right Second episode, we need to really show that she's far more than just the gobby one. Another Time Lord. Um, <laughs> it, 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 no, that's I, in I the liked... finale, Billy. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, we get, uh, you know, allusions to all of that here with the Dr. Yeah. Donna, you know, being mentioned ad nauseum in this episode. Yeah. Um, which, you know, it, it's interesting to see now, looking ahead to obviously the finale, the bees disappearing gets mentioned here. Yeah. Um, the Dr. Donna is set up. Your song is yeah. ending soon. Yeah. Even the song that the Ud is singing is uh, Tenant's Regeneration theme, yeah. um, which is already sort of being echoed here, which is yeah. really, really lovely. Um, I mean, every single time we come around to doing one of these uh, Russell or uh, kind of um, Moffat era reviews, um, for all the stuff we've said about Murray Gold's music being too loud or maybe, uh, you know, bashing you over the head with, a bit too much sympathy or whatever yeah. it is um you know you will feel this emotion um again you know you just have to put your hands up and just go he is an exceptional composer um yeah. you know this song of captivity and freedom mm. thing is amazing and it made me go back i was watching this in a in a bar in auckland yesterday and i was like <laughs> right i'm gonna interesting bar I, well, yeah, it, it was <laughs> on the, they, on the they big telly. On the telly said, did they? <laughs> yeah, I said, get the FIFA off, get us, get us on the uh, on the old Doctor Who. Um, I was watching this, and uh, after I left, I was like, on my ride home, I'm gonna just blast Murray Gold, and I haven't listened to those soundtrack CDs for a really long time. 
And uh, I, but I used to listen to them all the time walking to school, and it was brilliant to go back because man, mm-hmm. his 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 way with melodies and and theming and motifs and yeah. orchestras. I mean, I didn't know that Oud spoke Latin, but they sound great. Um, <laughs> it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, but yeah, the 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 bit of Catherine Tate I I have to mention here is that whole line of dialogue. I think somebody uh, said that they didn't like it uh, when when we asked people's thoughts on this episode. Was uh, of course Oud would trust anybody with their brain in their hand, which yeah. you know you look at it in isolation. It's such a daft line. But yeah. um, it is said with such sincerity, and because obviously you've seen how uh, abused these Ood are mm. yeah. and what happens to them, it's so powerful that moment, yeah. and that is such a great piece of acting from Catherine Tate. Um, yeah. What do we think of of um, you know with all of Tennant's companions? Um, where does Donna and and Ten sort of line up for you? Because I didn't have much of an opinion of them really um i think probably i was reaching that point where i was getting annoyed at things in doctor who and maybe in my eyes i was like oh donna everybody goes on about how great donna is i just don't see it but yeah uh, man, i tell you what uh, it, their chemistry is undeniable and it's also a oh, testament yeah. to david tennant that he can have such good chemistry on different levels you know obviously with mm. Billy piper it's much more of a let's go for sexual affair the, of the bike sheds yeah exactly <laughs> Um, David Tennant, whereas this is so much more pally, but you know it, it's it's the same sort of dynamite chemistry, but it's working on different levels, and that yeah. you know is not just a testament to the way that Catherine works with Tennant and the way that Billy's work with Tennant, but also Tennant himself that he can find different things to do with people, you know, different yeah. m- you know mutual ground they can meet on. So, w- what's your opinion been historically of? of the Dr. Donner and sort of where do you stand now? I mean, sort of very much of the same opinion as you, like at that time, um, I liked her. I I sort of had reservations about her. Like I guess everybody did because of, you know, we only thought she was good as a, a comedy actress. Um, yeah, I think since going back and re-watching it multiple times, she, they have gone up in my estimations, um, but I still like I still like Martha Jones. Martha Jones, I really like, um, and I st- and I obviously they work so well together. Him and Billy Piper. I mean, I feel more sorry for Martha Jones. Martha Jones, I just feel like she was hard done by uh, as mm. a character because she got the the rebound bullshit of the Tenth Doctor. Um, mm. I mean, obviously the the chemistry between the Doctor and Donna, like you said, is undeniable. More so than it is with him and Martha, so yeah. I, th- I think probably on that alone, Doctor Donna probably creeps up just a little bit. Yeah, that's where I'm standing as well. Um, last bit on the Ood as well. Uh, unless you've got anything else, do you reckon they had to pay for the Homer Simpson dough Ood? I was thinking that. I was thinking the same thing. I don't know if anyone can tell us, but I did think I- the same thing. I, I, you know, again, one of those things I probably would have found really annoying a couple of years ago, but yeah. I just, I laughed uh, yeah. because again, it's that thing that Russell does. And obviously Keith Temple wrote this, but you know, Russell rewrites every script he gets apparently apart from Stephen Moffat's, but I wouldn't believe that for a second. Um, 
I, I think that he does that thing really well where it's like, this is, uh, you know, a bit of classic comedy, but obviously The Simpsons is much more contemporary, uh, yeah. especially to us viewing it. Um, yeah. So it's funny whenever Doctor Who does that sort of thing, isn't it? When it's, yeah. you know, here's a, this, is, this is called an iPod, you know, all that sort of shit. Yeah. Um, is great. Uh, and I also really liked um, the variation on uh, the, the Eccleston, you know, oh, you just, you know, you sit at home, you eat your chips, you watch TV, you know, and there's a war going on underneath you and all that stuff. The, yeah. the one that David does here with, you know, you pay taxes, you pay rent, you pay, yeah. you know, you watch TV and you have your two weeks holiday a year. That, I think, is a really nice distillation of what it means to the audience to see these adventures on TV, mm. wishing they were in the shoes uh, of Donna Noble or any of these other companions because yeah. it's that sort of thinking that obviously makes people want to you know break out of the mundane life they're living and travel in space and time with the Doctor in the yeah. show uh, but it's also a nice thing you know for the viewers at home to think well there's more to life than all of this stuff that and that, mm. and that I think is the ultimate message of Doctor Who isn't it like um, I just really like the way that that was delivered that oh, particular yeah. variation um, and I, I love the fact that Donna misses the whole thing because that's obviously Donna's thing. I do, uh, yeah. I do. It does make me laugh. It does make me feel like the doctor's like, God, your lives are shit, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they Human are. Human beings, <laughs> you've got shit lives. God, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so as we mentioned at the top, written by uh, Keith Temple, the creator yeah, of he... the Ood. Oh, did he do? He created them. I believe so. I might be in daft. Did he not also write uh, the Impossible Planet and Satan Pit? I don't know, Billy. You would uh, you would assume that I was a Doctor Who fan and would know these. That's things. true. I, I, um, I'm sorry to have meant you know assumed that <laughs> with with us having a Doctor Who podcast. Um, let me have a quick look. Uh, well, no, he he actually just wrote Planet of the Ood by the looks of things. So who the yeah. bloody hell wrote the Impossible Planet? Stephen somebody. Stephen somebody, uh, Matt Jones. Oh God, I think we mentioned oh. that on the last episode. Sorry, Matt Jones. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, who I, you invented know, the Ood? Did Russell invent the Ood? Well, you'd think it was the the writer of. Uh, you think it was Matt Jones? I didn't check to see if he got a mention. You know, created by in the credits. I think Russell did the design. Oh, so maybe okay. he did. I, I'm sure I've seen one of his little doodles because he did a lot, didn't he? In those early days, he did. He, yeah. he did a Cassandra, and I think he did the Moxa Bohun and the Slavine. Um, I, I think I, the I made a note about that. I made a note about that. That so this so obviously again, this is just a, you know. Let's just praise the uh, Russell T Davis here. There is a period of monster design in yeah. series one and two that I don't think Doctor Who has ever reached since. And right. I would include the Slovene in that. I would include the Sycorax. Uh, obviously, we can blame that little gobshite from Blue Peter for designing the Absorbaloff. But, <laughs> the, you know, the, the Uda part of that as well. Um, but there is just like a little moment, the Mox of Balloon, all those characters in uh, End of the World, where it's like the design team, you know, obviously Russell inspiring it. I've just gone, oh, let's just, let's just make anything we fancy. And I, yeah. I, I'm not sure that the monster designs really get quite so inventive. Yeah, they're on. quite out there, aren't they? Those earlier ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. They sort of play it more safe, I guess, later on. 
it's a bit more bipedal. It's a bit more like yeah. Even like the I'm sure people can find examples of this not being the case, but you know, uh, the Fisher King in uh, Under the Lake Before the Flood. You know, yeah. that's obviously really impressive, but it looks like a tall bloke in a suit. In a suit, whereas yeah. the way that the Slavine have been designed, you yeah. know, they are much bulkier, and yeah. um, they they've just got. It's a, I think it's the scale thing with with mm. Russell's designs for this, like the Moxie yeah. balloon being kind of squat and sat on a chair, um, yeah. and then the face of Bo. You know, it's just a yeah. lot more expressive, and the scale of yeah. it is different. You know, it's like yeah. these are alien creatures. And I think the Ud are a great example of that, um, you know, that ingenuity. I, yeah. I, it's a testament And even stuff as like well. the Jagrafess, you know, you've got the Jagrafess, oh, man, yeah. the big blob in the ceiling, and then you've got the Reapers, which have got their own thing, you know. Yeah. That, there's a, I, think, I wonder if there was a real conscious thought about, you know, people just think Doctor Who is people in rubber suits yeah. going, grr. Um, and so maybe they, you know, there was a conscious thought there to be like, well, let's try and get as far away from that as possible. Um, even though, like, you look at mm. the end of the world now, and you look at the end of the world then, you know, some of it is just like, well, that is a man in a robe, and that is a man with a wicker basket yeah. on their face and a robe. <laughs> um, but you know, it was new. It was we hadn't seen it before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you expect a certain amount of that because you know, even yeah. if you look at things like. Battlestar Galactica or, yeah, or Star you know, the Wars. Latter, uh seasons of, of Star Trek and Star Wars and stuff, you do expect bipedal, uh, you know, monsters with prosthetic yeah. heads and those sort of like crinked foreheads. You know, that became yeah. such a thing, certainly in American sci-fi in the 90s. Yeah. Um, that, you, that, that is as much a part of the design of science fiction as uh, a Dalek or whatever. But I, yeah, yeah I just think you're right. There is definitely uh, some sort of a push to, to get away from man in rubber mask um, yeah. and do something different. And maybe it was that injection of cash initially. They just went, well, we can make something like the face of Bo if we want. Um, mm. You know, in order to make it worth our time, we it, have to bring him back. But <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah. And I mean, I guess with the Ood, while they do something obviously quite extraordinary with the face, you know, everything from below the waist is obviously a man. And it, I think mm. it works, I mean, it works fine with the Ood normally. I think where it doesn't quite work so well is with the natural born Ood, because they're like, well, right. this is just a dude in a, a dude, a, de- a guy in a, um, <laughs> in like a robe and he's got gloves on. And it's like, well, surely if they're natural born, they'd have Ood hands, you know, they, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be robed. They'd be well, nude you've got, Ood's. You've got Ood's, you've got Ood's for, you know, serving platters at the dinner yeah. table, in which case they've got white gloves on. You've got the <laughs> dominatrix ouds that have the black uh, latex ones on. Yeah. And then you have the chauffeur ouds who have um, uh, driving gloves with, uh, the, with elastic the whole backs, with the, like, yeah, you yeah. know, Alan Partridge style. So I think maybe that's just whichever section of oud society you belong to, you get a different kind of glove. I would Fair assume. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, you we know the they're sexy ouds. Prostate oud. Yeah, 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 with 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 the uh, yeah, you know, the marigolds, um, yeah. But that sexy voice, Ood. I was thinking, man, I I feel really sorry for whoever that Ood goes to because yeah, he's going to be doing more than just the washing up. <laughs> Surely, um, surely. On that, it's, I, a, it's I, a horrifying thought. <laughs> where would you put it? Uh, on that, I um, 
also thought there was a moment where an Ood comes out of nowhere. Obviously, they use their um, translator balls to zap people's heads. But there's one yeah. Ood that leaps on a guard and mm. like smothers him with his tentacles. Oh, yeah, um, that's funny. Which I thought was brilliant. Um, yeah, I think I've I actually don't... written that down here. It's like, what is, what is it doing? <laughs> Maybe one day we lift up the Ood tentacles and we see that they've got like, you know, a horrible like slitty mouth that kind of goes <laughs> like that and it's got teeth that incisors or something, yeah, you know, yeah, something yeah. creepy like that. Yeah. And um who well, I mean, knows? Or like, we 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 know we we can assume he ate his face off. We can only he, assume. We can only hope he Hannibal elected him. He Hannibal elected him because they're all awful, all these people. I mean it's a great cast, I have to say, uh yeah. in this story. Um uh Darling. Yeah, Percy <laughs> is in it. Uh, he Tim McKinney is brilliant, but I have to wonder how does it feel to get cast for your hairline when you're like I know, I you know, you've got the head of a nude. <laughs> I was thinking that I was watching because I, I remember when it went out, and obviously you know all I'd ever seen him in was Blackadder, and obviously yeah. you know that was from the eighties. So I I remember watching it and thinking, crikey, you know he looks so different now. Yeah, and I thought. Is that is that a prosthetic that they've put on his head to make it this? more? Like, but clearly not. Clearly not. Um, he just he just had a very oud shaped head. I bring my um, own oud head, darling. I don't need any makeup done. Um, yeah, I. He's great though. He does it very he well. Is, he is brilliant, and they do yeah. a really good job with him. Just sort of having him. Well, okay, he's obviously the big bad, but yeah, you know, uh, besides sitting on top of this industry that you know, produces slaves, which, you know, is, warrants what happens to him at the end of the story anyway. But yeah. I think what they do just before his transformation, where he chucks that bloke, uh, Dr. Ryder, I think his name is, from Friends of the Ood, he chucks yeah. him over the balcony into the brain. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just sort of solidifies like, okay, so what it, what's about to happen to you, which I guess we can talk about now, um, yeah. is warranted. And what happens is, I think, probably one of the goriest, besides Stengos mm. in um, Revelation of the Daleks, yeah. probably one of the goriest moments in Doctor Who history. Not just yeah. the tentacles dropping out of his mouth, which is a great visual, but yeah. he fucking scalps himself. Yeah. I'd forgotten how gross it was, actually. It's so I was, I was surprised that they got away with doing it. Um, oh, I, I mean... You, you think of that, like we were talking about when we did uh, the Waters of Mars review, they're so keen in that tone meeting to just be just on the line of what's acceptable. But then you yeah. compare the flood to what they do here, and yeah. it's apples and oranges. Like, this is really quite strong, isn't it? Yeah. I think what helps with this is that, obviously, the scalping himself is very visceral, and then you've got the shot of the tentacles, which in itself is a very strong visual, but the effect itself looks kind of janky. And I think that's the yeah. thing I, I mentioned a bit in my notes was a lot of the CGI in this story mm. is a bit iffy. Um, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But yeah, you know, he's got the, that shot looks a bit funny because it's, it feels very much like an effect shot. It's like, right, we're going to, yes. we're going to put the camera right on the side so we can have the tentacles fall out. Um, and then to sort of diffuse the moment of, oh my God, this is pretty awful. You have the little brain that plops out with that sort of like a little, <laughs> you know, 
and it, and it's a comical moment, and so it just diffuses the the horror. So I think that might be why yeah. they sort of get away with it a bit. Um, and I think really the directing in this um, from Graham Harper is really great because you've got Amazing. some there's some really cool stuff going on with the action. There's a lot of action sequences. Yeah. Um, some better than others. Uh, you know, all the, the 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 sort of revolution where things are blowing up and, you know, they're shooting the Udes. That's all really well done. But there's some other moments that I really like, uh, sort of going back to the Hulpen thing, um, you know, just to just to show he's a bastard, you know, when he pours the the tonic onto the brain, you know, which is a, a just a very spiteful and horrible thing to do. Um, so it's a very easy way of setting up like, oh yeah, he's a, he really is a shit, this guy. Mm. But what Graham does, which I love, is he always has moments where Holpen will walk off, but Ud Sigma will just linger just a little yeah. bit longer. And whether that's to look at something or look over the balcony to see what's down below, but it's just enough for the audience to go, there's something going on with this guy. This totally. Ud has got something else ha- happening, um, which is great, you know, and it, it sets it up so it's not a complete, like, Oh, hang on a minute. Why is this Ood suddenly turning, you know, onto the good side or whatever? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I guess we can talk about some of the CGI. Uh, like the brain yeah, t- so, doesn't really quite yeah, bra- work in certain shots. <sighs> yeah. um, it's, it's a shame I, really I because think- the, the, you, the, sort of the first thing you see in that story is that lovely vista of the planet with the TARDIS yes. parked there. And when they come out, that looks great. That looks lovely. But then there's other shots where, and we've talked about this before on the podcast when we've reviewed other stories from this era, when you just have a shot of like over someone's shoulder and it's up against a green screen and they, you know, plop yeah. something in front of them, there's the depth isn't there and it just feels yeah. flat. Um, and there's a bit of that here. You know, you get it a bit at the beginning when I think they see the, the, the little base uh, towards the start. You certainly get it towards the end when they do the big reveal of the brain and yeah. the Doctor and Donna are looking over and you just look at it and it's like, well, that feels very two-dimensional. It doesn't quite feel like there's the depth there. Um, and even like with the rocket passing overhead, that doesn't look too bad. Mm. But obviously now, you know, 20 years later, it, it does look a bit old. Um and I kind of love it. I kind of love looking back I on do. new Doctor Who and going, yeah, you know, for all the shit old Doctor Who gets, you know, we're people are going to be saying this stuff about new Doctor Who in, mm. well, I mean, obviously we're doing it now, but, you know, people will start saying the same stuff like, oh gosh, that, that cheapy old show. Um, yeah. And especially in, compared to some of the other stuff. That was being made at the time, like you said, like Battlestar Galactica, which is obviously a huge, massive series with millions of money put into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just funny to see how those effects are now starting to show their age. I remember one effect shot in particular, and I know exactly the kind of one you're talking about. It's that sort mm. of digital map painting thing, isn't it? Yeah. Where they have the actual live action footage, and then they paint stuff around it, like. You say yeah. the, the shot of the TARDIS and and then the big snowy planet. Um, yeah, I, I think the thing that ruins it is that digital zoom that they usually add to things because yeah. <clears throat> you get a bit too close to like you know you framed it for a reason. 
Like maybe yeah. you need to have a bit of dynamic movement in there to sort of sell it. But I think yeah. the closer that you get to the object when everything else is moving with it, it's like yeah. you don't have, like you say, that depth, like that kind of parallax uh, yeah, thing where it. whatever's in the foreground is sort of yeah. getting closer to you and in a different rate, you know. And I think that is what doesn't really sell it. And I certainly remember, because <clears throat> I think Stephen Moffat says something like this in one of the Pertwee collection documentaries, the third man one, where he sat with mm. Mark Gatiss, where he's like, yeah. we all looked at it at the time and thought, this looks rubbish. And I remember my dad being sat there thinking, well, yeah, there were elements of that. But I think that, you know, he was bringing up examples. And I think dad was sort of saying, I don't buy that. I think we all thought it looked okay. We didn't know yeah. any better. It wasn't like yeah. we knew how these shows were made. There wasn't an equivalent to Confidential that went, no. here's colour separation over there. <clears> you know, we weren't privy to that. I think it's only looking back now you go, ah, well, you can sort of see how they've married these two things together and it hasn't quite worked. But I think... Yeah. If you're looking at certainly on a black and white CRT in the corner of a room, uh, you know, it, I'm sure it was sold fine. But I definitely yeah. remember the first time I was like, oh, no, this is still janky old Doctor Who. It doesn't quite work. Was the CG shot when Martha's Hospital has disappeared in um, oh, yeah. Smith and Jones. And I remember yeah. looking at that and going, you, you, you know, we're almost there for a show on Doctor Who's budget to be yeah. able to pull that off really well. But yeah. it is that depth. It's that lack of of things moving independently of themselves. Everything is is one big, you know, kind of blob of texture. Um, I think that's what hasn't quite aged well. Um, but you mentioned the action and you mentioned the CG. I don't know if this is one of the bits of CG that you thought was a bit janky, but I thought that the the grabby claw chase through the warehouse was brilliant. Yeah. Now that is excellent. Now really well shot. The claw, yeah, looks great. But that whole sequence, to be at least, feels like a bit of an afterthought. It feels like someone's looked at the mean. script and gone, oh shit, there's not really much happening here. At the moment, we've just got the Doctor and Donna mooching about, popping their head through these um, storage mm. containers we need something to just give it a kick up the arse and pick up the pace of it. Oh, quick, let's do this. And I think the reason, the thing that sort of kind of sells me on that idea is the shots of the security guy who's yes. on the controls because it looks like he's just got a sheet of tinfoil behind him. I know exactly what you mean. Silver tubes. And it's like, wow, that that looks like old Doctor Who. But I tell you what, I made a note of that. So that, that this is Roger Griffiths as Commander Kess. I think yeah. he is what sells that sequence because he's like, yeah, I I love his sort of like visceral, uh, you know, oh, I'm going to get you sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Because really, when you think of the, the, the crane as like, or the, the claw as a thing, yeah. it's not really that threatening. And no. uh, I get that, you know, we're in a warehouse environment and of course you'd have something like that. But I, I just think his sort of like feverish, you know, he needs to kill the doctor or like, I want to see what happens when, you know, yeah. he, he mentioned something like, I've always wanted to do this to someone or something. He's really sadistic, <laughs> yeah. that guy. Yeah. And like when he, when he's going to gas the Ood, you know, yeah. he's taking way too much pleasure in his job. Yeah. Uh, and it's and lovely I, I, that you know, he gets his just desserts and, you know, exactly. do the, do the gassing on him. 
on that as well, and this is a testament to to his direction, um, Graham Harper, the stuff in the warehouse, you can tell that they've got less than 10 ouds that they can use. Yeah. So I, I, I count maybe around seven or eight, uh, yeah. and there's probably only three or maybe less than three with the um, motors to move the eyes yeah. um, and the frown and stuff. But all the whip pans and the quick cuts and stuff, you know, you look at the Ood and you think, well, unless they get close to you or jump on you and give you a snog, they can't really do anything. Yeah. Uh, and so when they're cut down by gunfire, you think, well, this is going to be a walkover, surely. But the way that Graham has shot it and edited it, um, yeah. they clearly have numbers on their side. Yeah. And I think that that is what makes that whole, because it's quite frenetic when you think, as you were saying, even if it is a bit of an afterthought, you've still got a lot of action in here with, oh, yeah. you know, things exploding and blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. I, I think that that really sells it. And then that's down to Graham is, is you mm. know, they have got numbers on their side. So even if they're yeah. not the most, you know, effective killing machines, yeah. um, there is still a chance here for them to, you know, fuck shit up uh, for one of the better And, and I think the, the, the way is clever because obviously, you know, we know what the Ood's sort of MO is as a monster. Okay, their eyes mm. go red and they zap you with their balls. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and obviously they're like, well, you know, the only reason why they're like that is because they were possessed by the beast. So how do we get around that? Oh, okay, well, let's come up with this feral thing of the red eye. And like you said, all of that is shot so well. Um, and it's scary. You know, you've got the... The, mm. the the sort of foaming at the mouth almost they've put something in the yeah. tentacles so when they're you know is flapping about all over the place that looked uh, great the, the voice actor who does the ood I forget the guy's name he's brilliant you know and he, Silas Carson I think and he's been the ood forever hasn't yeah. he yeah well, he's no, Brian he's, he was Brian in the uh, Time Lord Victoria stuff and came yeah. back for Flux I think um yeah so. I mean, I love the way that they do that and they really sell it as like this horrible, rabid thing. Yeah. Um, and the way that obviously they portray the slavery, it was interesting watching it now and thinking, had this story have been made with Jodie Whittaker, I wonder if the Daily Mail or Definitely. all of those shitty red top newspapers... Would they have just come out and been like, "Oh, look at this"? Yeah, what you know, Doctor Woke. Well, it would have know. been. It would have been the line about um, who do you think made your clothes, which is like, yeah. you know, even then was a yeah. point that people hadn't quite got a hold of. Like, you know, yeah, um, the fact that Nike are out in Indonesia and they're, you know, these kids who have been mauled by these machines making your Man yeah. United shirts or whatever. It's like, yeah, you know, this is a real thing. You know, it, it, it's. Primark, it's all that sort yeah. of fast fashion. Um, yeah, you can totally see, you know, the reactionary, you know, right wing, fascist Doctor Who YouTubers out there putting yeah. that in their title, going Doctor Who is telling me that I shouldn't buy affordable clothing. You know, um, that absolutely would have happened. But it, yeah. you know, it's part of their mo to stick their fingers in their ears and go, blah blah blah. That didn't happen until Doctor Who became a woman, or. Yeah. Uh, up until the point that Stephen Moffat suggested that the Doctor could regenerate into a woman or whatever it was, you know. Yeah. Um, I uh, 
was going to say as well earlier when we were talking about the Ood brain and, and that CG and the jankiness of Doctor Who. Yeah. Firstly, did you recognise that location from an episode we reviewed recently? Uh, ooh, because when as soon as it appeared on screen, I was like, "Oh god, we're not back in the Auton." Um, the Auton. <laughs> well, yeah. It's funny you mentioned that. I I must have thought at the time, "Oh, is the Nestine involved in this?" Yeah, because that appears in that story. It's in New Earth, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, they they love that. They love that place. Um, was it in the Runaway Bride? No, I, I I'm I don't know a hundred percent for this but I, i'm fairly certain i think that is uh the ice block set or location from waters of mars oh yeah um, i think you're right where 10 and adelaide have that conversation yeah. there's also a bit i'm sure i i'm sure i didn't miss see this bit where Catherine tate walks up next to david tennant when they first see the brain and mm. she kind of barges into the railing in front of them and it shakes a bit and i'm sure you can see david tennant holding it tighter to stop it from really janky and looking like classic Doctor Who sort of wobbly set territory. Um, Yeah. Uh, What else can we say about this story? I mean, I feel Uh, like... On what you were saying... Well, just just off of what you were saying about the location, uh, again, kind of like with Waters of Mars, something that helps sell the story and almost sells the scale of the operation is the fact that they've filmed it in some bloody industrial factory yeah. or whatever. And you've mm. got the things like the big turbines and machinery churning away in the background. And it just gives it that sense of realism and scale that you otherwise couldn't get unless you shot it somewhere like this. Um, yeah, for sure. Which I thought was really great. Um, there is one shot actually where I think it's Halpern and um, the secretary girl, uh, they're having yes. a chat before they go into the, or maybe it's the scientist, before they go in to see the brain, you've got one of these big pieces of machinery in the background churning and doing whatever. But there's a guy in like a high-vis jacket and a hard hat still doing Is his there? job. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> Up on the That's top. brilliant. And I was like, <laughs> I d- don't think you should be in shot, mate. That is amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. I was looking for production errors like that on the TARDIS wikia. And you just think, oh man, the people who update that have really got better things to do. They really should find better things to do. Because there's one bit where it says, you know the big explosion? It was used in all the trailers where the Doctor yeah. and Donna leap towards oh, yeah, the camera the, yeah, and there's a big yeah. explosion. And one of the comments on there goes, well, uh, because a bit of snow flies towards the camera, it suggests that there's a camera on the location. And it, because it hits the lens or something. And it's like, fucking, but they missed the guy with the hard hat and the high yeah. vis on. Like, yeah, fucking, and I remember on. there's there's another beautiful shot from that bit, which is Ood Sigma being shot through the flames, and you've got like yeah. the the distortion from the heat on the camera. Yeah. oh, it's great, and I think that was Graham in the trailer, Harper wasn't loves it? that sort of stuff. He yeah. loves those shots through through flames because there's a lot of that in Waters of Mars as well, and I'm sure yeah. there's there's other examples of it that we can think of uh, yeah. in other stories he's done. Um, a few kind of random points that I've got towards the bottom of my notes here. Um, yeah. On on the 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 scalp ripping, um, yeah. Apparently that was re-edited because they, they, there is a another cut of that which is a lot more graphic apparently, and I just cool. think that is what these these collection sets are for when we come round yeah. to the new series. Like we have got to get the extended sequence 
Um, yeah. Because I'm sure it exists on, on videotape somewhere. It's got a... Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the reminiscent thing, of, the, um, of the Empty Child, isn't it? When... Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Victor Meldrew transforms. Richard Wilson. Victor Meldrew. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe it. I'm turning into a gas mask. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because uh, uh, I remember that got obviously a lot of kickback when it went mm. out. And I think they edited it for TV, but on the DVD, you could hear the bones crack when the thing comes out it. of his mouth. Beautiful. Um, on, on the sound effects for it, the first sound effect of the first tentacle dropping out of his mouth is, mm. must be a BBC stock sound effect. It's a, it's a particular squit noise, which slightly <laughs> ruined the effect for me because it was the sound that Dick and Dom used to play in De Bungalow whenever somebody mentioned having to go to the toilet. So oh. for me, I just immediately thought of, you know, creamy muck muck and the yeah. snake in the toilet and all that sort of stuff. It was just like, bro, I just got sent back in time to yeah. Saturday mornings <laughs> watching Dick and Dom. Um, Broke your suspension of disbelief. A little bit, a little bit. Um, the sense sphere gets a mention, which is nice. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we've got the sense sorry, uh, connection, which is always and, good fun. Um, that just uh, the, my last note here is that the farewell at the end with all the ood around the TARDIS is yeah. so classic Doctor Who, isn't it? It's like, oh yeah, um, we bid you, we bid you uh, fair travels. Uh, thank you very much for helping us. We'll yeah. see you next week. You know, it's like <laughs> I, I, I love those sign offs at the end of Doctor Who. Um, and that that bit when we have the the, the he will knock four times. Um, I guess David Tennant had been announced as leaving. I don't know if he had. Shall oh, really? I, I can't I, remember. I, I'll look that up. Have a, if you, you want to give, give us another, another thought or two, the, and I'll, I'll see if I can find this. Is a real hairs on the back of your neck moment, isn't it? That when it suddenly goes silent when he says it, you know, because you've got all this lovely music, this joyous Murray score, and then it cuts and you're like, ooh, yeah, well, they start shit. playing the, um, the, they start playing the Doctor's theme um, again. It was, it was, yeah. must have been the first time in a long time we'd heard that. Mm. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a particularly good moment. Um, I was yeah. just looking over my notes. Uh, something that, again, sort of talking about how, you know, people would have viewed it at the time. Something that gets says when they're talking about killing off the Ood um, mm. he re- he remarks upon it like oh the uh, he says it's like oh t- the the foot and mouth um, solution uh, like farmers used to use back in the old days. I was like oh that's very clever because I think whether it was in two thousand and eight or at least it would have been a, a year or two before you know there was the yeah. huge epidemic of bloody um, foot yeah. and mouth. Uh, so it's just creating these like little allusions to things that are going on mm. in the world at the time that we can go, Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Uh, and it's really clever. Yeah. I mean, obviously you, people watching it back now who weren't there may not get that. Um, but it's funny to think of it now looking back as like, Oh yeah, that, that was a thing, wasn't it? Bloody woke doctor who talking about bovine diseases. Can't believe it. <laughs> um, so yeah, apparently at that point, uh, it was rumored that tenant wasn't going to be, coming back and that he would be wrapping up because right. I think he's he announces that he does Hamlet at some point and that they're going to do a specials year. So we yes. know that there's going to be a specials year now, uh, but he doesn't confirm it until 
October, and this is the April right. of 2008. Um, okay. He, when he appears at the NTAs. Um, it was that during a break. Uh, it was during the intermission at, uh, of Hamlet where he says... That's right, yeah. That's crazy. I mean, what a... Again, a marketing machine that they were like, let's yeah. have a camera ready to go. You know, that all yeah. would have been orchestrated by by Russell and the Beeb to make sure that they had the biggest possible audience for that announcement. Yeah. I mean, that, that crazy to think that... Because uh, you you hear the the audience... Oh, you hear the gasp. Gasp and like wail almost. You know, it's like yeah. the air leaves everybody's bodies when they find out. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's that's quite a moment. That um, shall we turn to Twitter, Matt, and see what uh, people thought of it? I have one more point. Go. When we have the scene with the Doctor and Donna in the cage, where they're looking at the natural lewd, um, yes, and the Doctor says something about, oh, you know, you know, he he says, oh, I I, I I'm being telepathic, I can hear the song, uh, and you know, do you want to hear it? That bit where he allows Donna to be telepathic and hear the song. Yeah. Very reminiscent of Terror of the Zygons with Tom Baker. The whole yes. way that it's shot and framed and yeah, it just pure, pure Tom. They all, they pure all Baker. have their moment. <laughs> they all have their moments like that, don't they? Where they yeah. sort of, like when, almost when um, the Ninth Doctor sort of says it's the gift of the TARDIS that you can hear uh, yeah. all these different languages and stuff. It just sort of, Every companion has to have their moment. Martha getting the key or whatever it yeah. is, you know. Um, they all have their moments where they're sort of let in p- just past the point where the Doctor's been keeping them at arm's length, maybe. And and again, as we said, this is that story where Donna sort of realises that maybe it's not all swell out there and there are just as many problems out there as there are down here. Um, and I suppose that's the moment, isn't yeah. it, where she sort of comes to that realisation. Um yeah. Right then, uh, let's have a look and see what people thought on Twitter. First comment from yeah. Councillor Lloyd Melville, SNP councillor for, uh, I'm, I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, uh, but I just thought it was cool that we had a, a Scottish National Party councillor <laughs> <laughs> commenting, giving his thoughts. Um, Monifith and Sidlaw, I apologise for absolutely butchering that. Uh, location. I don't know if it's anywhere you're going, Matt. In the I know. The I was going to say, future. oh, I'm, I'm, I might be in your neck of the woods. Uh, Okai, whoops a daisy, all that. Um, great episode. Dispels Donna's semi-naive hopes about how wonderful the future is, and now yeah. uh, the who you think made your clothesline. Great hook with the Ood revolution and a hopeful ending that balances well with the conflicted Doctor towards the end of the story. One meme for every episode of Doctor Who says, "I kind of love how little the Doctor and Donna actually do in this one." They kind of just notice the Yuda having a very appropriate slave revolt and go, okay, fair enough, and then mostly just stay out of the way, which is yeah. true. I, I mean, yeah. it's not their story, is it, really? It's not no. their thing to interrupt. Um, and I guess you've already had the whole we can't interfere thing in the previous story, so maybe this yeah. is uh, actually makes more sense being after Vesuv- uh, uh, Pompeii because, you know, yeah. it all kind of ties up quite nicely. Uh, Richard Lloyd, Halpin's transformation is my Dr. Constantine gas mask moment. Properly gruesome stuff. Totally. Yeah. Uh, Matty Bate, one of the best and most select on episodes of RTD1, which is a phrase I guess we're going to have to start using, which is kind of unbelievable. Uh, it's a lot of fun, but it's also quite a beautiful and emotional episode too. The scenes in the mm. cells with the natural ood get me every time. Uh, Matthew Purchase, while the story itself isn't that engaging, uh, the deeper concepts about the ood and the commentary of slavery, along with an amazing performance from Catherine Tate, make this episode stand out in a very strong series. Um, and Alfie Shaw proves that Donna is real companion material. 
that brains in their hands speech is class, though it did the birth it did birth the worst companion figure, Matt, which is even worse than Disco Dancing Rose. What do you think? It was the only Donner action figure we got. It's the only Donner action figure we got. There was a Runaway Bride sculpted. Um, mm-hmm. Pictures of the prototype uh, online. Um, I've got a funny feeling the only reason why it was the only figure of her was because I think Catherine Tate was a bit self-conscious about right. her body and mm-hmm. obviously that big coat hides everything really right okay uh, so i think that is the reason why um i mean i wouldn't say it was the worst figure in the world it was certainly not as bad as disco rose um <laughs> but um i mean it's just it's just unfortunate really it's just unfortunate yeah. that that happened to be the the only way to get a donna um yeah but we'll see what happens with uh with the 60th well you know? yes that's true, yeah. Another opportunity to get a, a slightly older Donna Noble, but bloody hell, Catherine Tate looks exactly the same. Yeah, she hasn't um, changed. Unbelievable. Well, in that case, uh, I think we've probably said all that we have to say about Planet of the Ood, um, yeah. other than go out and buy the novelization that neither of us read in preparation true. for this, which would have been really <laughs> good, but um, we didn't do it. Uh, i got to say, those new Target look books with the new logo, they look smashing they look gorgeous they've done a fabulous yeah. job with it yeah yeah that new foil embossed yeah around the yeah lovely stuff lovely stuff uh <laughs> did you see the big finish of sending out those sleeves for the collector's yeah. edition yeah uh, is that is that recompense for it being really really late or <laughs> what's the yeah <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were gonna say is that recompense for it being shit <laughs> but, um <laughs> No, if it for that they would need to deliver Tom Baker to my house. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they look cool. They look cool. Uh, it's a great logo. Come on, it, it, it does look good. Although, if anyone's interested in logos, I'm sure people know about it by now. John Grantston of Five Foo Fans has done a fantastic video about the logo, um, yep. which is well worth checking out. So, yeah, go and have a look at that. Right. Well, in that case, uh, well, we'll see you next time. Because we're going way back in time, aren't we, for our next rod? Oh, Where are we going? Oh, yes. We have we're going underground. A- underground. Did you have that London Underground song on that people used to pass around on Bluetooth on their phone? Uh, don't know. London Underground. They're all lazy. Fucking. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a throwback. Uh, yes, we are going underground. <laughs> With the uh, ugly, cuddly Yeti uh, and uh, an equally cuddly special guest uh, who is mm. going to be joining us uh, for that review. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. Uh, if you also uh, want some more rodding in your life, then go and check out the review of Death Patreon, where yep. fortnightly rods become weekly rods. Um, last week, our uh, commentary of uh, Wartime with uh, John Levine came out. Uh, which is again another one of those you have to see it to believe it kind of things. Yeah. Um. And we've got reviews of Once and Future coming. Uh. We're going to do a commentary of one of Matt's old action figure adventures as well, which is going to be well worth sticking around for. Uh. Show notes shared as well on there if you want to hear uh anything that we didn't get around to covering uh from uh, our thoughts and feelings on any individual episode uh, and plenty yep. of other interesting stuff besides. Yeah. Very good. And as always, please like, subscribe share with your friends 
Share with your enemies. Tell everybody <laughs> that we're a podcast for Doctor Who people. Uh, and yeah, we'll see you all next time for some webbing of the fearing. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>